Hello, I'm Joyce Strong. Welcome to the Totally Well Show. I'm here today to introduce you to two uh, very nice guys who I've met, um, Alan Lazarus and Kevin Palmari. Um, I'm so excited about this uh, meeting, so thanks so much for taking your time today um, and making yourselves available, accessible, and um, what was the other word uh, that... Um, Dave Meltzer used? Yeah. Productive? Productive. Productive. And productive. Uh -huh. So we're going to uh, get some, some good stuff done here today. And well, thank you for having us. It means, it means the world to us. Yeah. It really, it does. really does. Thank oh, you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so excited to learn from you. So first of all, I want to tell you that these dudes do Hyper Conscious Podcast. And wherever you get your podcast, I usually go to iTunes. Um, but you can also get it where you see video. On so we're on YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud as well. Okay. So find them. Hyper, two words, Hyper Conscious Podcast. You will thank me later. <laughs> so you can also find Kevin on uh, Never Quit Kid and Alan on A Lazarus. 88 a l a z a r o s 88 instagram and alan is uh prolific on facebook linkedin snapchat twitter and youtube youtube so they're easy to find and um you'll get addicted like i am oh thank you <laughs> you're the sweetest so um i gotta just know how did you get into this whole milieu of health and wellness and fitness you obviously are gorgeous you work Thank out you. on your bodies and Thank take you. good care of yourself I assume because you do that you eat well you look like you do so how did this get started do you want to start you're welcome to sir okay um, when it comes to the health and fitness I think that I was always a, like the little dude growing up so I said, well, I can't grow this way, so I'm going to grow every other way that I can. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually used to be a personal trainer. Um, I was always... How, did you go for specific training or school for that? Or so, yeah, I, took, I did like an online training program, got basically, and got my certification. And then I ended up working in a gym, and I realized quickly that I did not like that. I didn't like the sales side of fitness. I didn't like... How old were you then when you did that? 23. Okay. So that was what? Seven years ago now? Yeah. I'm getting old. Wow. Um, Where are you guys from? Oxbridge, Massachusetts. Oxbridge. Yes. So. Yeah. You have a little bit more of an accent. I don't know why. A little bit more. Definitely not Boston, but like outer Boston. Okay. You I'll don't have it. a Boston accent. I don't. No. That's because <laughs> he was born in the woods. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I have a Somerville accent. I would, you know, get, give me a glass of wine or something and it comes out or put me around my family. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, so fitness has always been very important to me just because it's the one thing that I could control. And my father was very big into fitness. My grandfather was a professional boxer. So, like, being athletic has always been part of so you've persona. always been fit. That's always uh, yeah. Been, that's yeah. kind of the the running joke is like I've always had abs. I've just I've always kind of been in shape, and then I really locked in on trying to get like I want to be elite. I want to be impressive in any room I'm in. That's like always one of my goals. Nice. Yeah. Nice. How did you get started? So he was more into fitness than me in his younger years. So for me, <clears throat> I'll try to make a long story short here, but. Um, I was, uh, four years ago, I was 160 pounds, skinny fat, I drank too much and too often, and I worked for a company called Cognex, where it was work hard, play hard, and I did very well in corporate America, but um, the play hard part of the job in sales was um, a lot of alcohol was involved, and I wasn't going to the gym, and I wasn't, 
I wasn't living up to my potential in the fitness arena. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely wasn't happy with my physique. And so I actually got into a, two things happened really. <clears throat> One time I got jumped by a schizophrenic and then I started lifting after that because I, whenever something traumatic happens, you always try to, okay, what could I do differently? And in this Control, case, yeah, yeah, right, I was yeah. just like, if that ever happens again, I'm gonna be able to defend myself. I'm gonna be physically strong enough to mm. defend myself. So I started getting at the gym. And then six months later, I got into a car accident that was my fault. Fortunately, no one was hurt. But I always say that when life or death situations happen, whether it's death of a loved one or death of a pet or <clears throat> loss of a friend, anything where it sort of shakes your snow globe. Breath cancer for me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And people talk a lot about PTSD, when something traumatic happens, how it affects you. And I definitely had some adverse things. Uh, double yellow lines mess with me for a while. I would get pulled over because I'd be too far on the right side of the road because um, it was a head-on collision. But what we don't talk about enough, in my opinion, is post-traumatic growth, which is I reevaluated my whole life after that because my father passed away in a car accident when he was 28. And at the time, I was 26. Hmm. And so I thought, what if that was it? Would I be proud of who I've become? Did I take my health seriously? Did I have a positive impact on others? Or was I just chasing you know, money or whatever? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> at one point I had what I thought I always wanted, money, beautiful girlfriend, tons of friends, parties, all that stuff. And I realized that <clears throat> I wasn't serving my greatest purpose. So fitness became a huge priority for me. Mm -hmm. after that and more so personal development which i think fitness is the best form mm -hmm. of personal development mm -hmm. so your your metamorphosis was really the the whole thing and really triggered by the the, the near death um, absolutely personal development and just the fitness was a component you were more that was your thing that was your persona the fitness part, yeah. Yeah. So personal development for me did not come in until I had a near-death experience, but it wasn't by anybody else's fault other than myself. So like Alan said, I had what everybody would say is a great life. I was making a really good amount of money without a college degree, right? Graduated high school, didn't know what I was going to do. Mm -hmm. So I was making money. Cool. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I had a beautiful girlfriend. I had well, a brand how new... Were you, what were you doing to make money? So I was a foreman for a weatherization company. So okay. we would basically travel up and down the East Coast, work, making uh, state-owned buildings more energy efficient. Got it. So we would literally come into this school yeah. and we would find ways to save money right. for you guys. Okay. Um, and I was always traveling. I was on the road one year for 10 months out of the year. Mm -hmm. I was in hotels every single night. So I traded a lot in for the money, but I thought I had what everybody wanted. I had a beautiful girlfriend, I had a brand new apartment, I had a new car, I was in very good shape, and I was super depressed, and I didn't know that at the time. Now, Had you always been? Looking back, yeah. Mm -hmm. Looking back, I, I think I've always been depressed, I just never knew. Yeah. I never knew what depression felt like. It was never really talked about, it was never, my family didn't know anything about it, so mm -hmm. I was kind of on my own when it came to a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but then my girlfriend left. You said me. you're on your own when it came to a lot of things. Yes. You, your father died in an accident. Where was your father? My, I honestly met my father for the first time, like three years ago. That was the first time I had seen my dad in over 20 years. So you grew up without a dad. Yes. Yeah. I grew up with a, a mom and a grandmother. That was my that was my mom and dad. And how old were you when dad died? Two. So I grew up with a mom and a sister. We both kind of had two moms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. We're opposite, but we also are very similar in a lot of ways. A, a lot of ways. Similar core values, yeah. different in competencies. Yeah. So 
true story. Um, so again, by all outside standards, I had what everybody could ever want. I had a beautiful girlfriend. I, I was successful. I looked like I was successful, but inside I wasn't successful. So she ended up leaving me because I was not the man that I was at the beginning of the relationship. I was literally a shell of myself. And Al and I were actually talking about that on the way up here. I'm proud of her for leaving because she deserved better than that. She's, she helped you. She did. She And I still thank her to this day. All the time I talk about her on the podcast. But yeah. So, okay, you would think, okay, you hit a rock bottom. Now it's time to learn. Unfortunately, I didn't learn at that point. Rock bottom has a basement. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I said... Ah, that basement looks nice. Before I like it, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna take the stairs down to that. So I doubled down <laughs> on making money, and I said, "Okay, I had all of that, and I wasn't happy. Maybe I just need more money. Maybe that'll do it." <laughs> so it was the most insane work year of my life. I made over six figures. It was amazing in that regard. But I remember one day, I actually called Alan. I woke up and I I just couldn't turn the voices off in my head. I couldn't turn the noise off, and I was sitting on the edge of a bed, a hotel bed in New Jersey. And I was thinking, like, I can't do this anymore. I, I do not want to live if this is my existence. I cannot, I cannot do this. So I called Alan. And I said, man, I don't know what to do. Like, what, I'm trapped. I don't have a degree. I don't have any other way to make money. I have bills. I have debt. What am I going to do? Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment where it's like, you have to decide, why are these voices saying what they're saying? Is what they're saying real? Like, do I really have to end my life here? Or is this a chance for me to figure out what is the next stage of my life? Mm -hmm. And that's when I really tripled down on the podcast. The mm -hmm. podcast was already a thing, but now it was like, in that moment, I realized I want to be the person that I need right now. Mm -hmm. At my lowest point, who is the person that I need to become? Like, who would speak to me right now? Who would I listen to? Who would I resonate with? Mm -hmm. And that, ever since, that's been my focus. If somebody DMs me, I always talk to them. I have to. I have to try to help them. It's, it's my purpose. It's my passion. It's my drive. Mm -hmm. That's the reason I'm here now. So when you were in that hotel room, are you telling me that you were thinking about ending your life? Absolutely. And that wasn't the first time either. That's something I don't talk about as much because it's like that's when it came to a head. But earlier in my life, the same thing happened. It was just, it's this hopeless feeling of nothing I'm doing is working. And I have no idea what to do because I'm doing what I thought was going to work. So like how do I start over when it comes to circumstance, when it comes to work, when it comes to, I gotta tell my family that I wanna kill myself? Like, what are they gonna think? What is my girlfriend gonna think? What are my friends gonna think? Like, what are the people that think I'm so strong? What are they gonna think? Are they gonna think I'm weak? Like, going back to being vulnerable, what we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's something that I've dealt with on more than one occasion. And I, I feel so bad for people who are there. And my biggest fear for somebody who is there is they don't see that other people wanna help. And that's the, the one thing, like, that's why I want to be the best version of myself. I want to be the person I needed. Because if somebody reached out and said, hey, you're not alone, I'm here, I think that would have made things a lot easier for me. Uh-huh. So, so when you're there in that place, you don't see any You don't see anything. Hope. No, you see what's in front of you. You mm -hmm. see, you feel like there's a wall of things against you. Mm -hmm. It's this, 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 and it's really hard to find hope there. It's really hard to search for hope because what you're focused on is everything that's holding you down. Mm -hmm. And you need to take a step back. Now the problem is, if you're really, if your back is really against the wall, that's when a lot of people don't take that step back. They take that, that final step and mm -hmm. they end their life. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I don't know the answer 100%. I know what worked for me was calling somebody that cared about me and mm -hmm. calling somebody that I looked up to. Mm 
Mm-hmm. That's the thing about Alan and I. Like he he was into personal development far before I was. So I am the man I am today in large part because of him. And he knows he knows that I, I say it all the time. But I, I think that it's scary. And if you're at that point, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this and you've been there, mm-hmm. number one, you're not alone. Absolutely, 100%, I can promise you you're not alone. You can reach out to Alan or myself and mm-hmm. we'll be there. Number two, this isn't the end. Mm-hmm. This might be the end of your old life, maybe of your old mindset, of your old limiting beliefs. But this, this can be the beginning of a brand new life as long as you're willing to to just try, take a chance, take a risk, and just have a little bit of hope. All you need is a little bit of hope to start moving forward. I have a question about, you know, when a lot of times when I think about nutrition or wellness in general, and I t- take kind of a broad view of wellness and health, what do you think about helping people before, give, giving people this information before they get to that place so that they can have a North Star. Mm. Yes. You want me to? Absolutely. So, um, I so think... I'm thinking prevention. Like, right. pr- give them information prior to... That's my primary goal. So I asked him in the car, what's your intention? He said to basically be the person that I would have needed. Um, and mine was to be intriguing enough to where someone might explore personal development. So my goal is to be there in advance. There's a quote that I live by, by one of my heroes, Tony Robbins. He says, you cannot influence someone unless you know what already influences them. Mm-hmm. So physique-wise and looks-wise and intelligence-wise, I want to be what is admirable so that someone will be intrigued by me enough to where they're willing to be open to personal development or open to learning or open to change. Mm-hmm. There's two ways to change a human being. One is they're in enough pain where they're coming to you for help, in which case he did that. And thank he looked God. to me, thank goodness, because it was someone that he looked up to. If, if I didn't have what he thought he wanted in that moment, mm-hmm. in other words, happiness and health and wellness, he wouldn't have reached out to me, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the other way to change someone is to be so over the top incredible in their eyes when it comes to the outer results. Um, that they're intrigued enough to be like, there's something different about this person. There's something different mm-hmm. about this person. And they'll, they'll come to me. They do that. They, it's just, they'll ask me fitness questions and stuff. But if I wasn't in shape, why would people come to me? Mm-hmm. So my goal is to be as exceptional as possible in the eyes of others, not because I want to be so great, but because maybe then they'll be open to some of the deeper stuff underneath that mm-hmm. that got me these results. That's interesting. I, I think it... I think maybe for some people that is important. I think it's definitely a, a, a part of it to lead by example. Mm. Um, but you know, for me, connecting with you guys is your vulnerability. Mm. Is your like, like Dave Meltzer was saying, the dummy tax. Like you guys have paid since you've made some mistakes that could save me from making them, and that your willingness to share that. Mm. And the other thing that, um, like, I'm saying, I wonder if I could get my these guys to talk to my sons. That'd be mm. such good. Absolutely. But they'd be like, I'm not talking to him. <laughs> so how do we get that? Because they're scared of your vulnerability. Because you got to get them to a place where, so we work out with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like if, if there's a guy and he wants to get around us and it, maybe it's not in a setting where we come into your home and, and try to like, you know, motivate you by speaking to you. Mm-hmm. But if we can get you somewhere where you'll drop your guard, then that's where I think that 
just from absorption. Mm -hmm. If you hang around us long enough, I, I hung out with him for a long time before I got to this person. Yeah. Because I absorbed so much through osmosis. So I think with, if somebody's into the gym, they want to come to the gym with us, I guarantee they'll leave with a little bit of a different mindset. Bit mm. by bit. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. They have to get to know you. I figured that out with boys. So I have a girl and four boys and I'm now a hockey player because they all play hockey. Mm. But I started when I was about 50 and I, on the ice, you just talk to boys, and then playing hockey with guys, it's very different, because they, like, they're like, I almost said a bad word, almost didn't come out, <laughs> but they'll say bad words, and, and they'll tell me that I'm not very good, and I'm supposed to think that's a compliment, you know, like you, with the way you start your podcast, and you're like, about his pretty face. Like, that kind of stuff, like, if two women, that would be, like, a horrible insult, right? Yeah. So um, learning how boys warm up to things, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I, we both have many clients we coach, and I know you coach as well. And mm -hmm. it's been, I think our genuine desire to serve others is where I've learned the, the most. Mm -hmm. So um, I have several women clients, and then I have several men clients, and it's very different. I mean, you know, there's the feminine energy and there's the masculine energy, and, and I do think that typically vulnerability connects more with women because they tend to be more emotional mm -hmm. um, and I typically you know the mindset and the mental side of things and logic and rationality connect with some of the you know stronger masculine energies but I think what's fascinating is understanding yourself and then understanding the language that the other person you know resonates with um, mm -hmm. we have a system we kind of talk about a lot, P-M-E-S, so physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Mm -hmm. um, if you understand, so he's E first. He's more emotional Very first. Emotional. Yeah. I'm, I'm more M, um, so more mental first. So uh, the P is physical, the M is mental, rational, logic, mathematics, that kind of thing. Yeah. The yeah. E is more emotion, nurturing, connection-oriented, and then the S is more spiritual. Okay. Um, and so if you understand what the other person leads with, you can talk in their language, and then you can influence them in a more positive way. Yeah. Can I piggyback on that? Sure. Do you mind? When I it comes to yeah. vulnerability, especially for men, I think, yeah. the only reason Alan and I are so vulnerable, or I'll speak for myself, the only reason I am is because I have a purpose that's so much greater than me. In order to achieve my goals, I have to be, by yeah. default. Yeah. I have to get better at everything I'm doing, or I will not be able to change the world. I think, so when it comes to relationships, the man, if he's struggling to be vulnerable, he has to understand that, he has to link up my relationship will be better. Yeah. Right. She will trust me more. We will have better communication, maybe better intimacy, whatever, if I'm vulnerable and I lower my guard. I don't want her to think I'm weak. Okay, that's fine. But there's a, there's a fine line between weakness and being vulnerable. Yeah. So I think you have to just have to have a strong enough why power because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It can be uncomfortable for us. It's easy because we've, I've done it so many times. It's just normal now. Yeah. But I understand it's not for most people. Yeah, I, I think that that kind of, you know, you set your intention, you set your goal, and now you've locked yourself into commitment. Yeah. You know, to, I, I want this, mm. I have to do this. That's kind of how I got into my business, my practice too, and, right. and having to walk the, you know, to walk the talk or however yeah. that expression goes. But, mm. you know, I need to be fit. I need to care my own self to be able to help other people do that. Mm. Right. So, um, I have so many questions. We still have some more time. Um, I wanted to ask something you just said there. Oh, I know I wanted to ask you. You both talked about having tempers. Mm. I've had a temper in my life. And I was also involved in a, a relationship that involved um, abuse. 
and growing up in, in my life. And so um, I've seen a lot and I know that's another big problem. And hearing men talk about that, be vulnerable to talk about, um, and I heard this in a podcast, so that's why you know I know you were sharing, and you were sharing about it. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that at all? With me? For sure. You want to go? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think when we're in an unresourceful state, um, we unintentionally hurt the people we're around, and the people we're around tend to be the people we love. So um, I have an acronym that I use called HALT um, that basically, if you're, it's H-H-A-L-L-T. Have, you heard, have you. you heard it? Yeah, okay, right. Hungry, horny. Hungry, horny, angry, lonely, late, or tired. If you're any three of those at any given moment, you are definitely in an unresourceful state. Now, some people get depressed yeah. in an unresourceful state. Yeah. Other people uh, blow up. Yeah. So you've got implosion and explosion. Um, for me, I need to take a minute and so if you're a very results-oriented person, you're most likely going to get frustrated and, and when things aren't going well. Mm -hmm. um, if you're more experientially oriented and more emotional, you're most likely going to get depressed when things aren't going well. Mm -hmm. Now, the key here, again, is knowing yourself and then understanding when you're in an unresourceful state. And then the reason why HALT is such an awesome acronym is it's check yourself before you wreck yourself. Mm -hmm. My intention is never to hurt anyone. Mm -hmm. um, but with people that I care about deeply, I grew up in an environment that a temper was very normal. Mm -hmm. And that is normal to me, but not to other people. Mm -hmm. And whether it be my intimate relationships or friendships, like I've definitely had unresourceful moments where I raised my voice unnecessarily. And there's that cliche quote of people will remember how you made them feel. No matter how pure my intentions were, mm -hmm. if I make you feel bad because I raised my voice, that's what is going to be remembered, especially for people who are more emotional. So if you're out there right now and you have a temper, you're going to need to acknowledge that as a shortcoming and then proactively work on it. And if you grew up in an environment where a temper was normal, just remember that that's not normal for everyone. And it took a very... Well, and it's very common. I don't think it's normal. Right. I think it's very common and yeah. it's as as did I. So it was that's you just don't know anything else. It was common yeah. in your upbringing yeah. as well. Yeah, and it's common yeah. in our society. Right. You know, we see yeah. a lot of it and so it's hard to say that there's something to identify it as a problem if you see it all around you, especially if it's in right. your immediate family, right? I think that one thing I'll say is it can take ten years to build an incredible relationship and only a really terrible day. Mm. to ruin it. Mm -hmm. You know, it can take 10 years to build a building, only one day to burn it down. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we've all made mistakes, but it's like, when you're in pain, there's only two forms of communication that I've ever noticed. You're either, it's a, a form of love. So if you say something, if you, anytime someone reacts to you, mm -hmm. they're either, it's either a form of love or a cry for help. Mm -hmm. And usually when someone cries for help and they're freaking out, we cry for help back and then it escalates. Mm -hmm. And that never helps anybody. Mm -hmm. No one gets helped. Right. We're all crying for help and no one gets helped. So what I try to do is say, okay, this other person's in pain or I'm in pain. I need to take a minute, get back to a resourceful place and then actually that way someone gets helped. Mm -hmm. I have a very opposite, I guess, as you'd, as you'd expect. Um, <laughs> when I was younger, I had a very bad temper. 
for sure. But I think it's because I never dealt with like my father issues. Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever dealt with that. Now, I never really had a temper with other people. I have broken my fists more times than I can count punching walls and stuff. Now, I got one at home right now. <laughs> so I, I understand that. That resonates with Boxer. me. Boxer. Boxer fracture. Yes, yes. Um, but for me, I realized I always felt like an idiot after. Yeah. Like in the heat of rage when you punch something and after when you can't open your hand, you're like, what am I doing? Like, what did I just do that for? Yeah. So I think over enough times of doing that, I realized, number one, this isn't healthy. Like, I've never really had a temper in a relationship. Yeah. yeah. There was one time, I've, I've talked about this on the podcast, <laughs> I was in bodybuilding prep. I spilled an entire tub of chicken on the floor and I punched, <laughs> a, I put a big dent in my fridge. <laughs> and my girlfriend at the time was, she cried. She yeah, was afraid. She was scared. Yeah. And I... I will never forget that because I said, like, you know I would never hurt you. Maybe she's been hurt before. Maybe they said the same thing. Who knows? Yeah. So for me, I just know having a temper and getting what I want, is um, they don't go together. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if there was, like, one thing that happened to me that really turned it off. But I know when I was younger, it was really bad. Well, I just love that you identified it as an area that you want to work on and improve for your own sake mm -hmm. and for, you know, improving relationships. And I think often men don't have an easy place to turn to yeah. for help with that. Right. That's what, hyper-conscious means hyper-aware. Yeah. And that's basically, I guided through life for the first 26 years and whatever happened, I reacted to. Mm -hmm. And that was my life, just kind of putting out small fires along the way. And now it's, everything's proactive. Everything that we do is for the future. Every, con like I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't want to be the greatest podcaster, if I didn't want to be a great coach, if I didn't want to change you know, all the lives in the world. I wouldn't do this because I wouldn't have the why power to. Mm -hmm. So now everything's reverse engineered. I owe a lot of that to him because that's his thing. But I think starting with a vision, if you can figure out what I'm doing now isn't getting me what I want, what do I have to do to get what I want? That's the first step. And understanding the want, the, yeah. the, the, the vision in the end. Yeah. yeah. So we have um, two minutes. Usually I'll wrap up the show just to tie in with the title of the Totally Well Show to ask about what are the top three things it takes for you to be totally well. Mm. So if you want to split that two minutes. Three things each? Yeah. You want to go first? Oh, you put the pressure on me? Yeah, I can go first. Or you, you could want. do three things combined, but. You can start because <laughs> I know you'll probably do a minute and 30 and I'll have to wrap right. up the last 30. Okay, so the first one is um, I think the suppression of self-expression leads to depression. So I think, you know, whether it's him punching the fridge or me raising my voice, I do believe that emotions are going to manifest one way or another. So yeah. if you're not willing to be vulnerable, if you're not willing to cry at a sad movie, if you're not willing to be physical and, you know, take it out on the weights rather than those you love, and you don't have a lot of forms of self-expression in your life, then you're most likely going to implode or, or explode yeah. on someone when you don't want to. So. If you're out there, the number one thing is to express yourself, whatever your truth is. That can be going to the gym, that can be hockey, mm -hmm. that can be, you know, um, having a talk with a close friend, that can be starting a podcast, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different forms of self-expression. The other thing is I have the five pillars, and I'll go quick here. Sleep, hydration, nutrition, training, and mobility. These are the five fundamental pillars of natural fitness that I think, without your health, you have nothing. These, this is what's holding up the whole building. Mm -hmm. um, and that, the third thing, reverse engineering regret and making sure that in what I do, is what I'm doing today going to be something that I'm going to regret in my future. 
There's a great book by Ronnie Ware that is the top five regrets of the dying. Have you heard of it? Yeah, because you told me about it. Okay. <laughs> Unbelievable book. I have a flashcard in my pocket right now with them written out. The yeah. number one regret of the dying is I wish I had had the courage to live a life true to myself and not what others expected of me. Mm -hmm. I think we all grow up trying to seek approval from others and I think that if you're out there try to figure out and reverse engineer as Kevin mentioned what you want most in life because and make sure it's the desire to serve something greater than yourself my goodness hmm. 30 seconds 30 seconds didn't I call it yeah. <laughs> um, I will use uh, T. Rob's quote progress equals happiness so if you can make progress when it comes to health wealth and love then you will feel like you're in control of your life so I think health wealth and love are the three most important things Beautiful. Wow. Not bad, huh? Not bad. I knew I was going to run out of time. I know how this works. <laughs> I can't thank you guys enough for enlightening me and just giving me so much hope for the future for the young men in this world and the young women who you are going to connect with and help. And I'm going to listen to your podcast every day. We appreciate that. We I commend you. You take action quickly, by the way. Massive action. Boom. Yeah. yeah. So Hyperconscious Podcast at Never Quit Kid. That's me. On IG and at a Lazarus Lazarus eighty eight on IG and all the other places. Yep, anyone can reach out anytime. And the website hyperconsciouspodcast.com. Hyperconsciouspodcast.com. <laughs>